The Old Testament lesson is found in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 11. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. And then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord your God, saying, A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. And then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first fruits of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you, and to your house, and to you, and the Levite, and the sojourner who is among you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson for this Sunday, the first Sunday in Lent, is found in Romans chapter 10, verses 8b through 13. And we are very familiar with this passage. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise out of respect for Christ to hear the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel for this, the first Sunday in Lent, is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Glory to thee, O Lord. 
Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. So as I was saying at the beginning of the service, Lent is an opportunity for us to be renewed in our faith. And so the title that I have given to this whole Lenten season is that Lent is a season for renewal. And today we're going to be talking about Lent being a season of renewal of servanthood. The text that I've selected for this this message then is from Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. And we read, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus with her sons, and weeping, and or kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not for me to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called to them to to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave." even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, our suffering servant, dear fellow believers in him. In my Ash Wednesday message, I talked about the need that we have for some good R&R, rest and relaxation. I especially focused on our need for what I called R and R and R. That is, the rending of our heart. And then returning to the Lord, who mercifully relents of judging us and condemning us to hell because of Christ Jesus our Lord. 
As we live daily in God's grace and compassion and steadfast love, we experience renewal. We experience regeneration, refreshment, and rejuvenation. Don't you just love those R words? I mean, who of us doesn't need renewal? Who of us doesn't need regeneration and refreshment and rejuvenation? Not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. It's especially so when we realize that we are constantly attacked by Satan. He relentlessly comes after us day by day by day. We especially need renewal because of the restlessness of our soul that we experience that is due to our sin. And then there's the seepage of an irreligious world into our hearts and our minds. The seasons of Lent and Holy Week and then Easter Sunday really do afford us an opportunity to be renewed and be refreshed and rejuvenated in our faith as we focus our hearts and our minds on Christ Jesus, our suffering servant. And so I have entitled our Sunday morning Lenten sermon series, A Season for Renewal. Now, do you have a bumper sticker on the back of your car? I saw a bumper sticker that said, I used to be an honor student, but I'm not sure what happened. I saw another one that said, pass quietly, driver asleep. Here's another one, be nice to your children, they will choose your nursing home. Personally, my favorite of bumper stickers is, stamp out bumper stickers. No, I'm just kidding on that one. I know many of you have bumper stickers, that's okay. That's okay. But if you ever do consider putting a bumper sticker on the back of your vehicle, then might I suggest that you maybe glue an image of a water basin and towel on the back of your bumper. Why this odd combination? Because you see, the water basin and the towel are symbols of humility and servanthood. Okay, I... I realize that that probably isn't the wisest or the most appropriate suggestion because we do not want to advertise our humility, do we? And we may not want to advertise that we're a servant because <laughs> we might actually have to serve. That wouldn't really be all humble of us, would it? To put those kind of symbols on the back of our bumper, of our vehicle. But being a servant... Having humility is what we're going to focus our attention on this morning. James and John's mom, I call her Mrs. Zebedee, Mrs. Zebedee approaches Jesus to ask a favor for her two sons. She kneels before Jesus and her two sons are on either side of her and she begs of Jesus, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right and one at your left, in your kingdom. Apparently, she senses that Jesus is to do something. She, he's about to do something that is going to have great magnitude, great significance. She may think that Jesus is about to establish his earthly reign in Jerusalem 
And being the devoted mother that she is to her boys, she wants the best for her two sons. And the best that she wants for them is for James and John to have positions of privilege and prestige and authority in Jesus' kingdom. And she's no fool. She knows that a person does not always get a promotion so much because of what they know or how capable they might be or even what kind of a character of person they might be. But it's often who you know that gets you the job or the promotion. And the who in this case is Jesus. When the other ten apostles hear of this power grab, they are indignant. They're indignant with James and John. And why? Well, because they want to be Jesus' right and left-hand men in his kingdom. And when Jesus catches wind of their internal struggle for power and control, he gathers them together and he chastises them. He says, man, that's how the rest of the world works. I mean, in the world, yes, there's people who have power and control and they exercise that power and control over others. And then there's people who have more power and control over them and they exercise their power and control over them. And then there's people who have even more power and control and they exercise their power and control over them. And they dominate people. But that's not how it is in my kingdom. Not at all. Jesus says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, now we move ahead just a few days. It's now Monday, Thursday. Jesus and the same 12 apostles are in the upper room. This time they're preparing to celebrate the Passover feast. And before they recline at the table to eat the meal, they're to have their feet washed. That menial task is normally reserved for the, the house servant, but there doesn't seem to be a house servant available at the time. And so forgetting, or maybe ignoring, what Jesus has just said a few days earlier about being a servant, none of the apostles, not a single one of the twelve, take up the initiative to wash their dirty feet of the others. And after some awkward silence, and maybe even some stubborn resistance on the part of the apostles, it's Jesus who moves, isn't it? Jesus takes up the basin. He takes up the towel. And he kneels before each of the apostles, and he takes their dirty feet into his hands, and he washes them, and he wipes them clean. How could Jesus, the Son of God, stoop so low? Why would he take on this servant's menial task? When Jesus gives us the answer, when he's finished wiping the feet of the last disciple, he says, For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. 
do you see yourself in the behavior and the attitudes of the apostles? Are you hesitant to assume a servant's role of placing the needs of others ahead of your own? Like, do you see yourself in any of the following scenarios? Do you see yourself in that husband and wife or that parent or child who sit at the kitchen table and their arms are folded and they're looking away from each other in stone-cold silence for they know that the person first to speak will lose the upper hand, possibly showing weakness of giving in. And that just can't be. Because then you might lose power and control. Or do you see yourself in that group of students who exclude a classmate from the in-group. That's power and control. Do you see yourself in that co-worker who's vying for a job promotion and takes credit for work that is done by another worker? That's power and control. Do you see yourself in that unassuming, even timid person who passively, aggressively uses their timidity to control others and to get their way. That, too, is an issue of power and control. Or do you see yourself in that church member who, knowing that there's going to be an important vote at the next voters' meeting, actively recruits other members so that they'll be in attendance and vote the way that they want them to vote. That's an issue of power and control. You may not see yourself so much in each of those scenarios, but do you see those attitudes and behaviors in yourself? Can you think of other situations where you have exercised power and control to advance your own agenda? Well, we might think that our manipulation of a situation or our manipulation of a person is harmless. Maybe even rationalizing it's for a good cause. It's for the best. They may not realize it, but it really is best for them. And if I don't look out for me, then who's going to look out for me? And no doubt you've heard the saying, because it's as old as I am, if not older, I've got to do what's good for me. This self-centered thinking is foreign. It's foreign to the Lord's teachings. By taking the servant's role and washing the feet of his disciples, Jesus gives us a different way to think, a different way to act in all areas of our life. We are to have the attitude of a servant, just like Jesus And Lent gives us that opportunity to reorient our heart and behavior to be like that of Jesus. As Jesus takes Peter's feet into his hands, Peter exclaims, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Peter got that right, at least. If you're going to wash me, Jesus, just don't wash a part of me. Wash every nook and cranny of me. 
But how often do we not just simply to say to Jesus, no, just wash my feet. I don't want you going into other areas of my life. Just, you just concern yourself with the area of life that I want you to concern yourself with. Don't you dare, Jesus, to go down that road where I don't want you to go, where your law might speak to me and convict me of something that I do not want to be convicted of. You may speak to that area of my life, but you cannot speak to that area of my life. That's not the way of a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ says to Jesus, wash all of me. Because all of me, every nook and cranny of my life, needs your forgiveness. Yes, we say, Lord, take my life and let it be. Consecrate all of my life to thee. Yes, Lord, transform my attitude from one of being a master to one of being a servant. That is our prayer, isn't it? That's the prayer of a penitent person who turns to Jesus for forgiveness. We take his words to heart, don't we? When Jesus says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us, for you, for me. And as he gave his life up as a ransom for us, that meant that Jesus paid the price for our sin. That price being his death on the cross. That price being that he was rejected by his heavenly Father for your sin and for mine. St. Paul says, God our Savior desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. We know that Jesus ransomed himself for us. Yes, as St. Peter says, you and I are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from our forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. This morning as he does actually at every worship service, and whenever it is that we read and study the Bible, Jesus, our servant, bends down on his knees, and he washes us. He takes us as dirty as we are with our sin, and he washes us clean. The naked, suffering servant, Jesus, places his robe of righteousness on us. The risen and triumphant king frees us from the world's deadness, and he gives us a new vision of greatness and purpose in life, and that being of having a servant's heart. And as we gather for worship, the Holy Spirit regenerates and renews and refreshes and rejuvenates us through the word as we hear it proclaimed as we sing it, as we pray that word. And he renews and he refreshes us as we 
remember our baptism where our sins were washed away. And as we come to the Lord's table and hear him say, this is my body and blood shed for you. What does being a servant of Christ then look like in our life? As we're being renewed and refreshed by our Lord? What are the implications of a servant-like, Christ-like heart? Well, here's just a few examples. For all of us who find ourselves in conflict, it means unfolding our arms and looking into the eyes of the other person and saying to them, I was wrong. I'll own it. Will you please forgive me? To parents, it means that you don't give or you don't make unrealistic demands or expectations of your children simply to show them who's boss in the house. And children, it means that you help with the chores around the house without having to be nagged by mom or dad and that you respect them. For students, it means that you are sensitive to the unwanted classmate, the undesirable, and you attempt to include that student in your life or in your group. To workers, it means that you refuse to manipulate a situation or a person in order to get your way on the job. And for church members, it means assuming your share of the responsibility in carrying out the ministry and mission of your congregation and serving your brothers and sisters in Christ in a spirit of love and goodwill. May this Lenten season be a time of renewal, of servanthood for us. Renewal begins at the cross of Christ where he gives us the forgiveness of sins. Renewal continues at the empty tomb where the resurrected Lord gives us a new life of hope. Renewal flows from the baptismal font where the cleansing waters regenerate us with newborn life. Renewal continues as we confess our sin and hear God's declaration of forgiveness in Christ Jesus our Lord. Renewal continues as we listen and meditate on God's preached word. And renewal continues at the Lord's Supper where we receive a blood transfusion, blood transfusion of Christ's life. And as we're being renewed in our faith, Jesus hands us a basin and a towel. And he points us to where we should go to serve in our homes in our workplace, in our school, in our communities. And he sends us out to these places, and most importantly, our servant Jesus goes with us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.